Blog Talk Radio. Hi, welcome to Teach Me to Talk with Laura and Kate. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech language pathologist. Hi, Laura. It's Kate Hensler, developmental interventionist, and happy Mother's Day to you. Happy Mother's Day to you as well. I'm glad you're spending it with your daughter today. I am in California, no less. Yeah, on way on the other side of the country from me right yeah. now. You're having nice well, weather? Uh, yeah, you know, it's surprising. It's pretty. It's 70. You know, I would have expected yeah. it to be a little But where we were near Palm Springs, it was uh, about 97. So there's well, a big I'm thinking you're taking the 70 and being yeah, really happy with it. Yeah, 70 feeling really good. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... It's very pretty. Well, good. Well, I'm glad you're having a nice Mother's Day, and uh, you said you just had a nice dinner, mm-hmm. so that's great. <coughs> I am still not one. In- <coughs> so sorry about that. I'm still not 100% recovered from this cold. It just keeps hanging on and hanging on. We canceled last week's show because I had no voice at showtime last week and i'm thinking now i probably shouldn't have mopped with all of these cleaners because the chemical smell may really set me off so i'm hoping i'm not going to be coughing and hacking the whole show but we'll see when i start to cough kate you just pick up for <coughs> pick up where i left off sorry about that i hope this doesn't i hope this is okay okay all right speaking of mother's day i wrote an article yesterday and posted it about how we as early interventionists can support moms of toddlers with, (coughs) oh, my goodness. Johnny, do you think you can get me some cigarettes or something? Can you get me like a throat thing? I'm sorry, like a cigarette. Um, I wrote an article yesterday that, or posted it, and it's to therapists about how we can support moms, and especially in honor of Mother's Day, because isn't it, wouldn't it, I don't even know really how to say it without sounding offensive, but until you've parented a kid with special needs, you really don't know how taxing and how just how much anxiety and just the day-in, day-out struggles that uh, a mom with a kid with some pretty significant developmental issues feel how those moms feel. And so I tried to give suggestions to therapists with how we could support moms in their um, daily lives and in their just beginning the whole process because usually most of the time as therapists in early intervention programs, we're often the very first professionals in our field that moms meet. And so I think it's really important to make us all look good (laughs) and be as supportive as we need to be with moms. So that article is on there. Uh, And it's it's posted on the website and then on the Facebook page. Are you still there? I'm here. I'm I'm not hearing you at all. Okay. Being a listening bird. (laughs) 
Okay, and then secondly, I wanted to say that if you were on my email list, meaning that if you've ever emailed me or been to one of my conferences, uh, you'll be getting an email from me shortly, if you haven't already, that um, talks about the new book and a sale that I'm running on the therapy manuals, and we never, ever, ever run a sale on those unless it's a new release or conference pricing. So I just wanted to mention that, and you'll be getting that little email. Um, and then tonight's topic, we'll just get going on that unless you have anything to say first, Kate. Um, no. Just congratulations on finishing your latest book and getting them shipped out. I know you've been busy, busy, busy getting it done. It was a big week for that. Uh, a big week. <laughs> but so exciting. And I've already started getting emails from people that have gotten them and started reading them and looking through them. So that's always exciting. And if anyone listening wants to drop me a line about that, I would love it. I'd love to use that, those kinds of comments and feedback for the website. So please, 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 <coughs> if you're so inclined, send me a little uh, note about that. And, again, you can post it on Facebook or you can email it to me directly at laura at teachmetotalk.com. All right, tonight's questions are from... A mom that we had on a couple weeks ago, she called the podcast. Her name was Linnell, and she has a sweet little boy named Elijah who's just turned two. Do you remember her call, Kate? She called from, I think, Colorado. And yeah. she said, it wasn't the mom that called last time, it's the mom the week before that. Right. And she was talking about where she should be working with him, and she was a little, had some questions, if I remember correctly, about, getting and keeping his attention and she said he's not a really big <coughs> excuse me imitator of single words so we talked to her about walking back a few steps and really starting with vocalizations and I think he was signing some but not very much so we gave her some other ideas well she sent me a follow-up email and had some questions and they were really really good so I thought that's what we would talk about tonight she Fine. wonders how she can more closely or better keep him engaged with her during two things he absolutely loves to do, which are taking a bath and playing outside. And she was really cute. She said, <coughs> excuse me, she said she's still trying to lose her baby weight, and so uh, being outside with him would be a lot of fun, but she just needed some different ideas to make that time more, um, take advantage of that time, really target his language and make it more like therapy and help him engage with her more because he's a sensory seeker. And so sometimes when kids get so engrossed in meeting their sensory needs, like splashing in that water and running around outside, we do tend to lose their attention. And so she needed our help with coming up with ways to engage him. So we're, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. There are some great ideas for that, especially regarding bath time and how convenient for this that it would be in the new book, Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers, and there's a whole section in the back, a whole chapter and um, on working uh, the levels and working with the different the eight levels of... Uh, walking a kid through learning how to imitate and there's there are five daily routines and five common toys 
that therapists and moms can use with the whole approach, like here's what you do for kids at level one, here's what you would try for kids at level two, and on and on through level eight. And so bath time is one of the activities that's listed there. And so I thought we would talk about a couple of these ideas and any other idea that we might have for her. And, again, I do think it would be a pretty common challenge for a mom with a kid who's um, not so social and not so attentive to completely tune mom out while he's taking a bath. So we want to give her some ways to make herself more present and more um, more a part of his routine. Sounds good. I'm here, just so you know. <laughs> You're going to have to cough or something so I can hear you. For some reason, I always feel like, oh, no, I think she's dropped. I don't even think she's, she's there. gone. No, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> okay. The first thing I would recommend for a mom like this is, again, just to do something that's so out of the ordinary than what you've done. Because if he, you know, for two years now, he's taken a bath with and she's been there, and if he's not paid attention to her very much in the past, she's going to have to do things completely different to make it so, um, make it to the point that he can't ignore her, and she's got to make herself as much fun as darn water and whatever else he likes to do. And so one of the things that I would recommend is that she try vocalizations and exclamatory words, and again, things that she's never, ever done before. And so if she's usually just been talking with him or narrating what he's doing or whatever, a lot of that to him probably is just the blah, blah, just, again, she's environmental noise. So I would think that she should really ratchet it up a notch and use, again, some silly sounds like whoosh, or anything that might accompany a movement that he's doing. And that's one of the things she said in the email, too. I probably should have read that. <clears throat> Did you get that, Kate? Did you get a chance to look at that? You might not have since you're traveling. I didn't. I yeah, and she... Yeah. Uh, that's okay. Let me read it so you'll have the background, okay. too. But she says... Um, my son loves water play, and I've attempted to integrate language while in the tub or at the water table. Unfortunately, he's such a sensory seeker that he tunes me out because he's so engrossed with the water. Any tips on how to do this and keep his attention, or should I avoid water altogether? And that is a really common question or observation or comment that I get a lot on the website and through email is, if a kid loves something, do you use it <laughs> or do you not use it? And that's something I think about, and I think it varies from kid to kid, don't you? I do. And I think that the best thing you can do is really, really focus and tweak what you're doing. And I do think that for some kids there are some things that are just so all-consuming that mm-hmm. Nobody can really reach them during that time. But I, but most of the time I think there are things you can do to alter to make yourself compete reasonably well with their right. favorite things. Sometimes I think not. You know, there are just some kids <laughs> who get so absorbed that uh, literally, you know my, my expression, a bomb could go off and they wouldn't mm-hmm. notice. And for those kids, mm, but usually I think you can really, really – tweak what you're doing and get some success with those activities. 
That's what I think, too. And it's not like she can give up bathing him. Right. He has to still take a bath from time to time. And I guess her question would be, should I just not worry about it at that point and just let him do his own thing um, with bath time? And my answer to that would be, no, don't give up the opportunity to work language into his daily routines. org has a great article that I've posted or linked on Facebook about the power of using everyday routines to promote young children's language and social skills. And it's written from, it, it doesn't have really specific examples of ways that, or of things that you could do, but the premise is don't blow it. Don't not work in language and teaching language and helping a kid interact with you socially during all of these things that you do every single day because it's such a huge amount of time if you ignore that time and you think well we're just we're just you know going to get through this just going to do our thing that ends up a lot of the day that you haven't uh, facilitated language that you could have if you just were a little more focused and more um purposeful about including these kinds of um, focuses during your daily routines. And the Hannon people do a really good job of ex- always explaining why <laughs> you would want to do something. And then I think it's up to us as therapists to help moms take it to the next step. You know, we get moms kind of convinced, okay, I should do this, but then they don't exactly know what to do. And so tonight what I want us to do is talk about some really specific things Uh, and really specific ideas for her. But I wanted to point out that that article is there. It's a great article to share with parents who may not be incorporating language and learning into um, just, again, the normal things that you do with a kid every day, like bath time, like meals and snacks, like um, dressing and undressing. And so... Um, the Hannon people really talk about why that's important and how children learn there and how when you're talking about using words in the same way, in the same routine every day, that you map what that means into a little child's brain. And so they really, again, give us the why, but let's talk about how we could do that tonight, especially with bath time. So with this little guy... Um, Wait, were you gonna were you reading the email? Oh, I'm sorry. I read the first part about that's what she says. She has a one que- number one question, number two question, and number three question. And her first question I read is that he loves water play. So what can I do? Should I work on language about uh-huh. them or should I skip it? The second part of this is sort of related to bath, and I'll go ahead and read that. Then we're going to go back and talk about our bath time ideas. She says, also because of Elijah's splinter skills, she's had a lot of therapy. If she's using the terminology, hasn't she? She's she's doing a good job. (laughs) He understands when I say, let's go. Excuse me, let's go downstairs. But if I say time for bath, it still means nothing to him. He's so motor-driven, and I notice that he catches on to things if it's paired with some type of movement for him. The speech pathologist that they're working with now suggested using a bath toy and letting him see it when she says time for bath, but she says that's not working so far. (coughs) And wondered if there were any other tricks that we could share that might make it easier for Elijah to understand that. And she wants some ideas for what movement she could pair with time for bath. Since that seems to be a strength for 
him is doing that. I mean, just off the top of my head, I would <laughs> come up with some kind of song and make it silly and goofy. And then while she's singing that with him in the bathtub, and again, I'm really big on just kind of making up something as I go and then seeing if it sticks. Don't you do that with kids a lot? Yes. I, I and, look for the twinkle. If I get a twinkle, I think, mm, think this is working, you know. But Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so what, what would you I do? Would, Let me hear your makeup song. <laughs> well, I, I do that little song. I would either do, I would either adapt the Mulberry Bush song, that this is the way we take a bath, take a bath, take a bath. And, but instead of that, I would probably do whatever he likes for me to wash the most. If he hates washing his hair, I would not sing, this is the way we wash our hair. If he like, if he likes, you know, some kids like having their, um, almost like a tickle with their feet washed or their, you know, little bellies washed. So I would pick what he really, really liked, and I would sing this song and do it with him in the bathtub. And if it stuck, if it looked like he was interested, I would pantomime scrubbing. And again, I would be really silly with that on my own body, like, you know, scrubbing under my arms or washing my hair all crazy-like or whatever, and do that with him for several nights in a row in the bath. And then... I would sing that song as a lead-in to bath time. What do you think about that? I think that's good. I like it. Um, I would probably even be less structured and do something goofy like washy, 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 mm-hmm. and be rubbing on them and then do a little, you know, phrase of it and then say, take a bath, something like that, and, you know, so that you could Exactly. Want- Right into that, you know, a few nights of that, I'm I'm guessing he'll get it. That's what I think, too. And I do think it's important for her to pantomime it on her and, you know, do her own little version of that sign and then, like you said, do it on him, too, because that's the part that probably will really hook him. And it's something that he can anticipate when mom launches into her silly song and he sees her you know, acting a fool or whatever she's going to do to make it really silly and really stand out to him. And then he'll start to anticipate, oh, my goodness, she's about to do that to me. And I really like your washy, washy, washy. Words like that sometimes parents sort of try to stay away from that (coughs) and think, um, you know, that's almost like baby talk or whatever. And I don't ever feel like that. I feel like it's... um, you're just making it more novel and making it making yourself so exciting that the child wants to attend to it and again picks that out of the background and picks that out of the blah blah picks it out of of what else you've said so that he alerts to that and again is connects meaning with it and thinks it's fun and it makes it more social uh when you're using a silly word like that that they pick up on. So I, I like the washy, washy, washy. I think that's cute. Another song that I sing. <laughs> Thanks. I just came scrubby, up. scrubby, scrubby, or whatever. Yeah, it's an off the top of your head recommendation since you had no idea about the email. Well, you can't awesome. hardly even kind of say it without smiling, you know what I mean? Yeah. And kids yeah. do like those kinds of words, especially kids who don't attend to language right. particularly well. If you do something right. kind of goofy and silly and playful, 
you see the twinkle, and if she gets right. the twinkle, she knows he's starting to get it. So right. Yeah. I had this mom a long time ago. Uh, the little girl's name is Katie, and the mom would scream, "Time for Tommy!" And I can just hear her. It was I like funny. that. You can do Tubby, Tubby, Tubby. I like that. That's cute. She would just kind of scream it. And her little girl was very tactile defensive. So she didn't really like bath. So mom had to really amp it up so that it became something fun and different. And she, the mom really tried to make it. Again, more like playtime than bath time because her little girl really didn't like it. She had, she had long, beautiful, thick, I mean, like model hair at two years old. Oh, wow. Beautiful, but she hated having it washed. And so I could just remember the mom's stress, and she said she just did the time for Tommy, you know, one night, like, you know, in desperation, and it this really. It's going to be better. I know yeah. it. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> So I think anything like that. I sing the whole, um, for almost any little daily routine, um, and I, I know you don't like my wording how I end the song every time. Mm-hmm. I think you think it should be ended a different way. Mm-hmm. But I sing, do you know what time it is, what time it is, what time it is, do you know what time it is, it's, and then whatever it would be, bath time, snack time, you know, go bye-bye time. Yeah. time. Yeah. Any time. time. Yeah, but it becomes kind of your transition song. Transitions, too, are so hard for so many of our little friends. And so if you can use something like that, and I, I sang that in playgroup all the time when we had our group program, and we did it for snack time and we did it for some other things, too. But it really does, again, help a kid alert. It makes the transition I, a little bit easier because they kind of forget the uh, the bad part of leaving what they wanted to do, and it helps them be able to move on. So if I were mom, I would do, you know, really try some of these crazy, goofy things over the next few days, see what he really likes, and then use that to as his bath time cue and help him understand that. So those are our ideas for the transition part. Other <coughs> excuse me, ideas for playing in the bathtub. I think that you can do so much receptively in the tub and working on body parts and working on, you know, show me the duck, where's your boat? Um, let's find, you know, whatever the name of the bathtub toy is, but you can't do any of that until he's paying attention and including you first. And so I do think our best advice to her would be to really, really do things differently than what she's done in the past. Um, Even her body position. I know when I gave my babies a bath, I sat down on the floor and was right there with them. If she's been a little more hands-off, she would want to be more hands-on. And again, she's going to have to be really fun about it and really kind of right there in his face or he's going to continue to ignore her. And I would use those sound effects or, (coughs) excuse me, vocalizations, play sounds. I would just, I would do a lot of those until she finds ones that he really likes. And even if he's not imitating yet, if he's 
twinkling and responding and looking at her, she'll know, okay, that's the winner. You know, he really liked the whoosh, whoosh, or whatever, you know, whatever sound she makes. <laughs> really develop a repertoire of those. And if he's a kid that usually likes a movement paired with it, she should really just come up with a whole little set of things that she uses while, um, you know, they're associated with certain toys. Um, so that would be another idea for her to use, for her to do too. I like the um, you know I'm, she may have this stuff. Sounds like she's a hands-on mom who tries a lot. But <clears throat> if she had little um, fast toy type things of a car, a boat, even if it's an airplane, a choo-choo train, most little two-year-old boys are very interested in those things, and I would like use them on the side of the tub work in the sounds, even if you're kind of making up the sounds. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter that you're exactly right on each of those sounds, but a boat I usually kind of do like kind of thing. Yeah. And I just go through, and I would do those sounds, and then because he is an, an active, likes the sensory stuff, I'd probably like take my finger and fling him across the, the tub and let him hit the wall. I mean, mm-hmm. kids like that love that kind of stuff. Like, whoa, they my mother lost it. It's cool. Yeah. You know, they, he'll watch that. And, you know, and right. make sure she's right down there kind of hunkering down with the vehicle in front of her face and being really mm-hmm. big and exaggerated about the sound. And she may even do like, a, you know, like do the sound and then do ready, set, go, and make it, fly, you know, either fly into the water or even better yet, like she can I don't know what you call that, but fling it with your finger like we used to do with the folded paper for football and right. fling it against it. the bathtub. Yeah, thumb it. Yeah. it. Thumb it across the wall, like hit the bathroom, the tub wall, and then splash into the water. He will look at her like, "Woo, where did you come from? This is cool. You know, it's, it's those kinds of things that then you see the twinkle, and then you she's got them at least for a time period, you know, and then right. he will really be attending to her, and she has much better luck at getting holding his attention if she keeps it that simple and that exaggerated and that fun, much fun. That's what I think, too. Other things that I do in the bathtub that I remember doing with our kids are if it's a toy that floated, I would hold it, uh, that could float, I would Mm -hmm. hold it under the water and then, you know, do an anticipatory thing. You could do ready, set, go, where you could do, you know, where's the duck, where's the duck, where's the duck or boom or whoa or whatever exclamatory word she wants to use and then let it pop up out of the water. That's pretty fun too. And again, those are probably novel things that she's not done before. Ideas that I have in the book are knocking on the tub or the side of the wall and doing knock, knock, knock. Pouring water on a toy and saying wee as it pours. Um, squeezing the washcloth. How? Who knew how much enjoyment a two-year-old can get out of squeezing anything that's wet? A baby no wipe. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> a washcloth. Anything like that. I would say that's almost universal. You know, yeah, like too. I don't get why it is, but it is. Mm-hmm. Me too. And so I think that um, anything like that, and I know Linnell has gotten a copy of the book because I sent it to her this week. Linnell, that's on page 148, <laughs> and you want to stick with all of those level one, level two, level three, those earlier activities. And, again, the goofier the better. And your goal really at the beginning is not for him to imitate your sound or your word, although that would be great. 
but just for for her with him, just for him to pay attention to her and smile and let her join him in that whole process and not tune her out. And so any kind of response, and if he, I hope that he'll start to imitate some of these silly things that she's doing with the toys and will really begin to build his whole um, how he imitates actions, and again, that's the premise of the whole book. And she, and, and then moving on to, there's some ideas that she could do with communicative gestures and with body movements. If he has some, um, the toys that he likes, if he has a duck or a rubber bear or whatever, or Elmo, she could kiss Elmo, that she's probably never done that before with his bathtub toy. And again, anything that she could get him to imitate like that would be super, super progress for him. So there's some great ideas there. The other thing I would do is really work signing into bath time. And bath is a really easy sign to do. It's just like you're rubbing your chest with both, um, with your closed fist. Is that how you sign bath, Kate? Yes. Uh, isn't it kind of up and down? You're just yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, kind of like you're scrubbing your chest right there, and you do it with both hands, so that's a great one to do. The sign for a wash is that you put both of your hands together flat, both of your palms, that's another, and and rub them together, that's an easy one to do. Uh, So those are the ones that I would start out with. If he likes bubbles, you can certainly play bubbles in the bathtub, and that would be another fun way to kind of bring your language stuff in because if you've if she's played that at other times, she can transition that. And if he's paid attention to her and liked it, she can certainly transition that into a bath time activity too. So those are our beginning ideas for her. Uh, but, again, the goofier the better, and she'll have to make sure that she's really doing things differently than she's done it in the past or else he has no real reason to pay attention and to include her and give her his attention during that time. And she's really, she's fighting a powerful force. His internal need to play and splash and do all that in the water. And so she really, really, again, needs to ratchet it up so that he wants to be with her and thinks, how cool is it that mom's right here playing with me? I better keep looking at her face to see what kind of crazy thing she's going to do next and that's going to help her keep his attention a little bit better. Any any final bath time routines? And I'm going to mute and cough really big while you're talking, okay? Okay. The only other thing I might try, and these, you know, unfortunately there's no recipe for it, <laughs> but um, another thing I might try is taking those objects, those bath-type toys, and, like, maybe walking them up the wall of the tub and saying, up, 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 up. Again, she wants her face to be as close to the object as possible so that he's not only watching the object, he's watching her. And then do something to get it up high, um, somehow cue him or let him know, whether it be with a wee or go or whatever, to let it, you know, fall down into the water. A lot of kids, I use that with a lot of kids who have problems attending and, you know, where I can lose them kind of easily. And I I find that a lot of kids are somehow very intrigued with things going up the wall. And that would be an action that he would be able to try and imitate. And my guess is he might give that a whirl. Um, So I would add that to the possibilities of what might get him. I'd try taking those things up the wall 
being big about it, being exaggerated about it, doing lots of sound effects as she did it. Um, with that, I probably would use up, 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 because I think up mm-hmm. is pretty darn easy to imitate, but um, whatever she wants to do with the splash or the boom or the wee or whatever makes sense to her, um, just make it big and make it very obvious that she's pairing it with the action and see if he won't try and imitate it and how well he attends to her as she does it. I would, I would I give think, that a whirl. I would, too. I think that's a great idea. The other thing that, that I didn't mention is doing peekaboo either behind the shower curtain or the shower door. or And over time, I would even try to move farther away from the tub to do that and maybe you know put a towel up in front of your face and do that. And, again, you can't do these things. If you're not getting a big enough reaction in the beginning, it's hard to kind of, I talk about expanding games and transitioning games. You've got to make sure that he likes the game and that he's paying attention to you first. You can't start out with peekaboo from behind the door of the bathroom that leads into the hall if he's not looking right at you when you're right in front of his face first. Right. So, again, go really big and exaggerated and over-the-top, um, heightened affect, as I talk about a lot in the book, and that's what we talk about here on the show almost every week. It's really hard to ask you, know, it's just yeah. really, really Critical. But haven't you and seen I, some moms who haven't used heightened affect or some dads when they're trying to play a game like peekaboo and they wonder why they don't get a reaction? Haven't oh, you seen some absolutely. parents do that? Yeah. Parents yeah. and, frankly, other therapists, a lot of times parents will tell me, mm, he pays a lot more attention to you, he stays in, or she stays and plays with you for a lot longer than she does, say, the OT or whatever. And when I ask why... They usually say something like, well, she's really nice, but she's kind of quiet. She's kind of soft-spoken. And I think sometimes some therapists think, well, that's a good way to not overstimulate a kid and rather maybe the merit to that. It's also a good way to be ignored by kids who have lots of sensory Mm -hmm. sensory issues. They just chain you out. Yeah, They just tune them right out. And once they're tuned out, the kid's on the move, you know, and... Right. I have this going on with the situation right now, and that's what the mom said. Well, she's very nice, but she's really kind of quiet, and um, the child, you know, my child just doesn't really seem to notice her that much. And I think that's, you know, it is true that sometimes when you take a very high affect, very animated, playful approach, sometimes kids do get overstimulated, but to me that is um, an okay thing if, Part of that is they're really attending to you and they're really noticing right. you and they're really responding to you. A little bit of overstimulation is not such a big price to pay that that beats being ignored. Um, because right. if you're ignored, you're ignored. They're really not taking in. You know, I I, I don't think that they're really um, absorbing much of it. If they look like they're ignoring you, guess what? They are ignoring you. <laughs> I know, and a lot of therapists do miss that because they'll try. They'll say they say the right thing. They'll tell a mom, "They've a child in language." You know, what was that that you kind of say the music of the voice or something? <laughs> you know, kind of like that. But if a kid, if you are just doing all the talking and there there is no joint attention, meaning that he's looking up at you and then looking back at what he's playing with and then looking up at you, if there's no joint attention there, he is tuning out. And there is probably very little 
language learning going on. You have to have a kid responding to you. You can't just talk and, you know, that mindless narration. And I've done, you know, that whole speech therapist voice, you know. If you were talking about the bathtub, you would say, boat, boat in the water, go boat. Oh, boat, look, boat. And I'm probably even doing more <laughs> intonation with my voice than the person might do. But you know what I mean? I mean, a lot of therapists, right. some moms get stuck in that mindless narration where they're just saying, you know, they might be saying, using single words and short phrases, and that's perfect. But if the kid is not attending to you, you're the Charlie Brown teacher. You're the wah, 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 wah in the background. You're the doorbell. Right. You're the washing machine. You're the hum of the fan. You are no different than any other environmental noise. And so you have to make yourself stand out. And, and right. those goofy, crazy things that we talk about really, really work, especially with kids who have those sensory issues where they tend to block out everything except for what they like and for what they're paying attention to. <coughs> so Linnell's going to have to really work to get some silly routines going with Elijah in the tub. And then, again, I think she can use a lot of that to help him know what it's time to take a bath means by linking her songs or crazy routines or whatever she wants to do there. All right, so enough about bath time. Let's move on to the next part of her question. And I'm sorry my voice is so bad. I didn't really realize I was going to struggle this much with my voice tonight or probably would have canceled the show. So please accept my apology on that. You're not supposed to scrub the floor on Mother's Day anyway. So there you go. You're paying the price. <laughs> well, everybody had left. And so what are you supposed to do? You do the floors. Nobody's here to step on it and walk on it. A nap so, would anyway. be good. I think a nap would have worked just fine. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That just wasn't in the cards for me today. All right, no. so let's that's okay. Let's move on to talk about playing outside and I need to get a drink, Kate, so why don't you give us your best ideas on that? Oh my. Well, I'm gonna say I most kids that I've seen I it's another universal thing, in addition to squeezing wet objects, whether it be wipes or washcloths. Most kids really, really love to be outside. I would kind of want to know what seems to trip, trip uh, Elijah's trigger outside. Is it the swing set? Is it the sandbox? She talks about a water table. Um, you kind of got to start with what does he really, really, really love? And I would, you know, target that. But she needs to look at what it is and what she can do to interject herself into that activity so that she's so big and so much oh, a part of it that he's not as able to just do his own thing. Now, if he's a runner, that makes it a little harder. Some kids get outside and they just want to run, 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 run. And she can certainly try and make a game of that. Mm-hmm. But some, you know, you know, this may be one of those things. It kind of depends to me anyway. I what he really likes to engage in when he's outside as to whether or not it's going to be relatively easy to make that right. Right. Uh, productive as far as working on communication. If it's something like the swing set, great. If it's something like the sandbox, great. If it's, you know, if there's some particular or a variety of activities that he really loves outside, 
I would say, well, then, you know, let's target each and every one of those and look at what he does and what you can do to make that so much even more enticing that mom becomes a welcome part of the activity, you know, because I'm yeah. guessing he's going to be a kid that you got to really think about. And, and this is something we do all day long as we work with kids. We look at what they like mm-hmm. and we sit and try and think on the fly, what can I do that, that he yeah. couldn't do without me? And right. kids seem to have some natural, you know, innate appreciation for that. Like when the adult does something that's um, not necessarily typically an adult uh, activity or choice, but it allows the kid to enjoy their their chosen activity that much more. They seem to naturally appreciate that. And a lot of times, here's an example. Last week I was playing with that fun toy, thank you very much, by the way, the frog-in-the-box toy. And um, this little gal and I work in a corner, and I was popping the various animals out of it, and it happened to hit the wall, and they have this kind of rough-hewn wood trim on the wall, and it stuck. Well, now, I I did not plan that, but, boy, did she think that was cool. And this is is that child I was referring to who is really very hard to engage, and, you know, we are still working on very basic play things, and... Um, and she lit her eyes were twinkling so bright when that, and I was, we were both laughing, you know, I mean, right. like, oh my gosh. Um, so what did I do? Of course, I continued to fling all of them against the wall and get them <laughs> to stick. And if it didn't stick, you know, if it fell off, she took, would take it and try and stick it up there herself. And we laughed. And I mean, very cute. really, but very spontaneous. I didn't have a plan, but once I saw right. that, ooh. She liked it, and I could do it again. Well, then, and that's the sort of thing that she really needs to kind of sit and tease apart. What does he like? What seems to get him? And she's going to know right away what does he really like to do outside. And that's that's where I would start is what gets him and what can I do to make that even cooler that he couldn't do unless you were a part of it. Well, yeah, and she is going to have to do some critical thinking there. And a lot of moms use outside play for themselves as a time to just kind of check out. And they just kind of let the kid do whatever he wants to do, run around crazy or dig or whatever. And a lot of times if you'll go to parks or just watch the moms in an outside setting, they could be pushing the toddler on the swing, but they're talking on the cell phone or... <laughs> Again, doing something that's not right. really playing with the kid. And so if she's been pretty passive outside, it won't be as hard for her to come up with newer things to do because just by making an effort to be really engaged and really play with him will be so different than what she's done in the past. Now, again, she's a pretty, sounds like she's a pretty hands-on mom, so she probably has not been that way. But for a lot of moms, just putting the phone away and deciding that they will play together would be all it would really take. You're right. And first, you know, I will use outside time when my kids were little for decompressing myself because kids are so darn happy outside. And I think there's certainly something worthwhile and, and, you know, totally um, acceptable about a kid running around aimlessly and just 
letting loose and having fun. But, you know, since she's asking us, well, how do I make this more productive? Right. <laughs> then we have, we have to start with, well, what can we do? And I don't think she gave us any information about what we really liked outside, did she? No, nothing. She she just said, do you have anything related to outside activities? I'm still working hard on losing my baby weight, <clears throat> and I want to be able to get him out so we can both burn some energy, And but I want to engage him with speech while playing. You mentioned swinging. Swinging can be really regulating for kids. And any time I swing a kid, you know, you want to develop your own little verbal routine about that. So usually if it's a kid who likes to count, and boy, don't we have some kids who like the whole one, two, three thing, you can push for so many turns and count while you're doing that. But then what I usually do with swinging is I'll say push, 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 stop, and then grab them. And, again, you can let a kid, you know, push them eight times or three times or 22 times before you do it. It doesn't have to be a set number. But the whole grabbing them unexpectedly when they go back instead of pushing them, that is a lot of fun for kids. And I usually say stop or gotcha or something like that, and then we start the whole verbal routine again. I usually do the ready, set, go, and then I say push, push, push. You know, while I'm pushing them, push, push. Every time they come back to me and my hands touch their little backs and I'm pushing them again, it's when you would say push. But, again, the whole anticipation of, is she going to grab me again like that? You can get a lot of nice social attention that way. Even with right. a two-year-old who ignores you, a lot of the other time will start to turn around and look, even while he's swinging. You know, and any time I get a kid like that that's, that is usually pretty self-absorbed to start to turn and look at me behind them while we're swinging, I think, ooh, that's a winner. I'm going to keep doing this with him because he's really anticipating when I'll catch him. And that that's a fun little routine I do with swinging. So if he likes to swing, that would be certainly something to do. Beach balls are really, really fun <coughs> for most toddlers, too. And I have, I don't use a beach ball all the time because it's so big in the toy bag and I don't have room for anything else. But I've seen a lot of kids at, <coughs> excuse me, at home or at daycare or whatever that my time there is when they're outside. And I don't like to play outside as much as a lot of therapists do. I have this thing about getting sweaty and hot, and it, but it's... <laughs> You do it for the sake of the kid, and for kids, certainly, she wants to be outside with him. And so a beach ball would be a fun thing that he would probably like to do. And if she, it's probably novel. She's probably not played with that kind of toy with him before. And so I remember a little girl that I, I did this with because when I would go to her daycare, it was right after nap, and they were always outside, and I always felt kind of bad on some days about not letting her be outside when she so probably needed that versus being inside with me with working. So we would start outside on the playground. And blowing up the beach ball was so fun for her. I blew it up, and she, you know, always thought that was just a big, big, big surprise, even mm. though we did it week after week. <clears throat> and then beach balls are pretty fun to um, toss back and forth. You can kick them. They're a lot of fun for toddlers even to pick up and carry because they're nearly as big as they are. Right. So that might be something. But yet that nice she, and light. Right. Right. You're not going to break anything or whatever. And I would only use it for that kind of play outside together so that it stays really novel. 
and really fun, and he doesn't get to play with it any other time. And I would make her playing with him. I mean, she has to be included in the game. He can't leave her out. If he takes the beach ball to go try to walk by himself or play with it by himself, I would run around on the other side of him and take it away <laughs> and throw it up in the air. And the whole time, you know, you're doing woohoo or wow or wee or whatever word that you choose to do, and you still keep it fun, but don't let him leave you out of that. <coughs> and so I think a beach ball would be a good idea for her to use with that kind of thing. And, again, she can do a lot of action words with that as well working on him understanding throwing and kicking and catching. And, again, at this point in his language development, he's probably not going to imitate a lot of those words yet or maybe even understand those words yet, but she can certainly use those as ideas and build on um, that, those language build those language comprehension uh, tasks into playing with that toy with him. And I, I think that would be a really good idea for her. To do. Great idea. And Laura, I know, oh, sorry, I was going to say in the book, okay. you do a good job of talking about kind of setting the verbal script early on, even, you know, even if you're working in level one or level two, when you're really not expecting a child necessarily to imitate the word or even the sound effect, but you set the stage for it and you're going to link those actions and those activities with the words. And right. if the child makes some progress, you have the script ready, you know it. Eventually, they know it, and it really, I think, helps them move along the levels faster if you start mm-hmm. early on with the right words and the right yeah. um, sound effects and the right actions. And so um, just, you know, like you said, he might not pop them out. He might, which would be he wonderful. Might. But yeah. yeah, sometimes they do. You don't think. I've certainly had plenty of kids that I thought, no way. You know, I look around for, is there somebody hiding behind the bush who said that? Because <laughs> I never would have believed that a child could do it, but they sometimes do it. And even if they don't, it does set the president and the, you know, the stage for when he is there and is able to use them, it'll be set and he'll use the words that she's modeled for him early on, even before he was ready to say them. Exactly, exactly. So that would be a fun toy to do, too. Balloons are fun outside just as much uh, as they are fun inside. Bubbles are fun outside. Another toy that I like to play with outside, and I play with this inside, too, but it's really fun outside, are those birthday rocket launcher toys, and you can get them at Target or um, in the birthday aisle at a party store, but it's the kind of toy that you... um, it has a little launcher with it. How would I describe the bottom of that rocket launcher toy, Kate? It's um, do you know what you know what I'm talking about? You have those, don't you? The stomp rocket. Yeah. Do you no, mean not the, the stomp rocket. On? The one, no, the ones that you can like use it with your hand. It has like a pump looking thing on oh, the bottom, okay. but it's not a pump. And you put it's like a styrofoam rocket, and you put it on the stick, and then you hit the bottom of the pump or the whatever. Having kind of like a little accordion thing, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Those are fun outside, too. Um, and so she might want to look for something like that. And, again, if these are things that she's not ever played with before inside, 
it might make it a little easier for him to want to stick with her and stay with her. And those kinds of toys, that's another toy that a child usually can't do by himself, not a two-year-old. And so they have to have you there with them. And it also really promotes all promotes great joint attention and promotes visual tracking and all of those <laughs> skills that you hope to try to build in. He sounds like a, a kid that's pretty visual, too. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those kids at the beginning when you start with the toy the rocket they're not even so great at looking at it at the beginning they don't even really realize what's happened but over time they start to pay more attention and you'll see them really uh, stick with it a little bit longer and it's, it's a really fun toy too anything that has a surprise like that even those little um pig poppers with the balls or any kind of little ball shooting toy, that would be fun to do outside too, especially if she hasn't (coughs) done a ton of that with him because it would be novel enough for him to want to stick with her and stay with her and play. Um, She mentioned the the water table. If that's an outside toy, she might try putting something in it besides water and using something um, like a sensory box material like sand or beans or rice or something like that. Again, switching it up just enough so that it's new and he's thinking, wow, look at this. How cool is this? Uh, Again, just to make it a little bit different, but she's got to make sure that she keeps herself involved and that she right from the very beginning makes her presence necessary for him to get to continue to play. And that's a hard, hard balance. Don't you think a lot of people struggle with that? I know I do on occasion, yes. And there are times that, (coughs) try as I may, and using all of my best tricks and theories, mm, I've lost them. And and that is when I really say, okay, we're done. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, it might make them mad, and I'm going to try and move on to something else that they like so that they're not too mad and I can keep them with me. But sometimes kids... You lose them in the activity, and you've got to be willing. I I don't really buy into the, oh, you know, it looks like he's ignoring me, but really he's absorbing. No, no, it's really much simpler than that. If it looks yeah. like he's ignoring you, he is. Yeah. And it sounds like this mom has that instinct, and she's right. So right. Um, if it, you know, if, if her motherly instincts say he doesn't act like he cares if I'm here at all, he doesn't seem to notice what I'm doing, then that's probably the truth, and she needs to continue to troubleshoot and alter what she's doing so that so that she sees in his eyes and in his facial expressions and in his gestures and in his efforts to be a part of what she's doing, he's into it. Then she knows I, I have a real fighting chance of making some progress with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is such good advice. And a lot of people don't know when to move on. Or I think it is easy for parents just to think, you know, to kind of sigh and go, he's just not into it with me, and then really let it go when they could Mm -hmm. change it a little bit or move on to something else and still keep him engaged and participating with them and not totally letting him call the shots by leaving them out. Um, She said at the beginning of her email and I did <coughs> excuse me, I didn't read this on air, but at the very beginning said that he's now recognizing social routines, especially ready, set, go. And that's improved his joint attention with me. So what I would do outside, especially if he's 
zoning out and tuning your out as I would chase him and do the ready, set, go for as many times as you can do it without having to call 911. And (laughs) (laughs) don't you feel like that sometimes? Oh, Oh, yeah. You know, 30 times of ringing around the rosies, ooh, I am pretty darn winded here. Bringing the oxygen tank. I can't do it again. Especially if it's a... Humid Kentucky day, and you're outside there at 100 or 95 degree weather. Woo. That's what I was meaning about playing outside. Sometimes that's not yeah. my favorite thing to do here. Mm-hmm. But, I see. yeah, I, I'm excited that she wants to do that with him. And playing outside, gosh, so many kids don't do that like we did, or like even our kids who are, you know, older teenagers and young adults got to play outside every single day. And I have had a lot of clients over the years who never go outside. They, their extent of playing outside is on the way to the van and then back inside. Yeah. And some families have garages, and so they're not even getting out. I guess they're walking in Walmart is the play outside time. But it is huge. It's a huge, important part of childhood. And especially for kids who are sensory seekers, they absolutely need that time outside and I love that she's trying to make make it more language oriented and make it more therapeutic and um I love that she's doing that but they're the whole um just letting him run and run and run and run that's probably so regulatory for him and so he probably needs that for his little system so she's going to have to come up with some games and build that into their fun time too but that is hard to do when you're um when it's hot and when you're not so active, um, but ready, set, go is a fun, <laughs> a fun routine that she could do with that, or any make up any kind of little running game. And I think she has teach me to play with you, if uh, I'm remembering correctly. She said she had already gotten that book, and there are tons of little games in teach me to play with you that she could do with him. She could have him stand on the first little step and do some jumping into her arms and you know again if he's kind of if he's a kid that likes you know we already know he likes ready set go you know they could do the one two three jump uh, or ready set go jump anything like that would be fun and she's going to be exercising while she's doing all that because she's going to pick him up and swing him around and do it again and you know, do her jumping with him and all of that. So I think any little fun physical routine like that would would be involved any kind of big movements. Yeah, you know, I seem to have decent luck with like doing ready, set, go, making it a a racing routine. If <laughs> I run, even if I'm doing it in the house, which I sometimes do for kids who have troubles attending for very long, and I see oh they're getting flat, flat. You know, their affect is getting uh-huh. flatter and flatter and flatter. And I think, oop, I'm losing them. I like to um, run into things, whether it be a door, a wall, a couch, um, outside, you know, the, the wall of the house. Yeah. And kind of boom into it. Of course, I try right. to stop basically before I get there, but it gives them that sensory bump when they, you know, I take my mm-hmm. hand and go boom and mm-hmm. pretend like I'm going to run into it. And kids seem to like that. And I think they like that kind of sensory bump they get to. And I think it's goofy. It kind of has that most people don't right. run into walls unless you're a crazy yeah. therapist who's <laughs> trying to have fun with a two-year-old who's ignoring them. Um, when you do that, that just seems to make it a little bit more interesting and novel, um, and they seem to like the. And then it gives you a logical place to start again. Right. So, you know, just maybe she gets about that. How could she, what should she boom into that would be funny? And if it makes noise, all the better. You know, mm-hmm. she can, boom. If it doesn't, still kids like it. I don't know why it is, right. but they like it. 
Well, and if you can do that, and how I use that is, and we do this at playgroup all the, we did this at playgroup all the time. And if I ever work with a kid, daycare kids, I do this with a lot. If you're just running down a hall and you don't want them to keep running forever and ever and ever, but you kind of established that the point in on the wall is where you're going to do your boom part, they do kind of stop right there, and mm-hmm. it. You know, whether it's a door or, again, you know, right before a window or right before the hall or whatever, it does kind of establish a boundary for you so they're just not, right. <laughs> you know, even outside running the length of a football field before you have yeah. to catch up and catch them. So that might I'd be, be going to boom at the half line, half uh <laughs> Whatever it's called. I, I wouldn't make it a 50-yard line. Yeah, yeah I 50-yard line. I'd be going down. <laughs> boom. Mommy hit the dust. Yeah, but you know what I mean, if it's the backyard or boom into the front door or boom into the mm-hmm. privacy fence or something right. that's a logical stop and make that part. And it also gives you that stopping point, and it's a good, again, possible time when there's going to be good joint attention because your kid's looking yeah. up at you look as if to say, I cannot believe you smashed into the fence, Mommy. Yeah. But hey, that's great. That's what she wants is for him to really notice her. Yeah, exactly. And you could even do that with a lawn chair. And your boom part really could even be you're going to smack your hands down on the seat of the lawn chair. And it does keep him from completely running wild away from you. It gives you that set routine and set boundary. And she can put her words right in there and establish that whole whole verbal routine. And she will have to do it, like you said, for weeks and weeks and weeks before she would expect him to be able to start popping out those words too. But over time, kids do link meaning with those things, and you do realize that they understand the routine, and then they start to say it as well. So it's super important. But, and I think those are some fun, fun ideas that all of us can incorporate uh, into our therapy sessions and into playtimes with kids. And it is so important to be outside, so I'm so happy that she's making that a priority for her and for him. And I think she said that she's a single mom, too, and so she's got to really make sure she's thinking about all the different ways and all the different things that she can do with him that would be different to keep it fun for her as well as for him and still give them um, both what they need. Right. And, you know, Laura, don't you find, and I'm not bashing moms because I am one, and it's Mother's Day, but... (laughs) Sometimes it is the daddies who do a little bit better job mm-hmm. of more physical play right. with kids. Yeah. They're not always so great at putting the language in there, but, right. boy, they are really good at getting the physical play out of kids. And so many little boys in particular just so love that and so need that. Mm-hmm. And moms tend to be the ones who want to sit and read a book or do a puzzle. Right. right. Those things are great, but not all mm-hmm. kids are ready for that, nor do they really like that if they're not right. ready for it. And so that she's willing and looking for, what can I do outside? What can I do with movement? Right. It's great. And, and yeah. we should all, you know, moms should should uh, make a little effort. And some moms do great, but other moms are really all about passive activities that don't really involve too much of the gross motor movement stuff. And what kid doesn't need that? Certainly what little boy doesn't need that. So. And what 45-year-old therapist doesn't need it, too? So. Yeah. <laughs> There you right. go. Yep. Yeah. All right. Okay. On that note, we're going to end our show. I hope Linnell got some good ideas. I hope she's listened. I'm going to email her and tell her just in case she didn't get to listen live today. Well, um, those were fun questions. 
I those them. were great questions. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, I'm not sure what our next topic is going to be, but if you're a mom or a therapist and want us to take a stab at your question, we absolutely love it when we get emails with um, things that we can use on the podcast. So you can send those to me this week uh, at laura at teachmetotalk.com. That's all. Thanks, Kate. Well, and sorry about all the coughing, everybody. Okay. Yeah, okay. At least we had it. Join us next week. Okay. Here you go. Bye. Thanks. Bye.